Praise God. He's alive this morning, and therefore we can be very much alive as well. Praise God. So I want to take some time this morning just encouraging our hearts. I want to make the connection in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, being alive forevermore, having the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and behold, he is alive forevermore. I want to make that connection, how, we can, how it becomes personal into our lives today, and not just, not just remaining as a historical event, but something that's an everyday, life-changing, life-transforming occurrence in our lives. See, what happens over time in life, just because of all the, the issues of life, the, the, the things that we go through in life, over time, two things happen to us. Number one, uh, because of the, the way we interpret life, the way we interpret the things that happen in life or the things that don't happen, we have a tendency to uh, interpret God in the light of our circumstances, in, in light of our experiences. And sometimes we say, well, that didn't work out so well, so it must not have been God's will. And that can be a very dangerous way to interpret the wisdom of God, the will of God for our lives, because we all have different experiences, we all have different seasons of life, and as a matter of fact, I'm convinced that that's why we have so many different churches with so many different names and so many different denominations and so many divisions. It's because we endeavor, even though we don't like to admit it, but we, we endeavor to interpret God and build our doctrine based on our experiences. And, and so we don't want to be doing that because when we do that, what we're doing is we're, bringing, we're creating a theology that conforms to our reality. So I have my reality and I create a doctrine that conforms to it. You have your reality, you create a doctrine that conforms to it, and automatically we have a great divide. But the good news is, the good news is that we can overcome that. Because as we continue to build our theology and interpret God in light of our expectations, what happens is that our, our expectations begin to dissipate. They become smaller and smaller in order to fix God into our theology. And it comes to a point where we're not really believing God for anything. We're really not hopeful about the future. And if you can identify with any of those suggestions I've been making, I just encourage you to just keep your heart open, your ears open, your heart receptive, and re maintain a responsive posture. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today and, and to bring about a living hope. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, we're told that we have been born again into a living hope a living hope as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everyone say, a living hope. So it's a hope that's alive, and we need to continue to maintain that hope. I mentioned it before that we not uncommon to hear people talking about developing their faith, growing in their faith. It's not uncommon to hear people talk about, I need to develop my, my love walk. I need to do a better job at walking in the love of God and receiving God's love. But very seldom do we hear people talking about, I need to develop hope. It's almost assumed that it's static. Either you have it or you don't have it. But that's not the case. We do have hope. We've been born again into a living hope. The moment we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we've come into the faith, we have received a living hope. And it's a hope that's very much alive. So please don't allow your theology to 
to, to, to just simply conform to your reality and your hope is dissipated. It's, it's gone. You're not really believing God. You don't have any, you're, you're, you don't have any uh, favorable, confident expectation about this afternoon or this evening or tomorrow or, or next week or next year or whatever your dreams and aspirations are. And this affects us all at every, at every age level. It's not, you know, it can be for children expecting, you know, to pass from the fourth grade into the fifth grade, children expecting to make the sports team or to make the drama team or whatever it is that your, your heart is set on. For older, uh, junior in high school, you know, hoping to get, ex, uh, get accepted into the college of choice and after college is hoping to, to land a career that is, is something that I very much enjoy so I'll never have to work another day of my life because every day is an enjoyable day. You know, so we have hopes and aspirations. I'm going to encourage you to keep those alive. Keep those alive and pretty much ignore any older people that try to put a wet blanket on that because older people have a real tendency to uh, put a wet blanket on dreams as a result of their disappointments, their discouragements. And so keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The other thing that happens in life is that our reality, our reality, conforms to our theology because of the living hope that we have. The hope, defined biblical definition of hope is favorable, confident expectation of the things God wants to do in you, through you, and for you. And your expectations and your, your favorable, confident expectations become larger and larger until you can believe God for almost anything. I mean, you, you just have that optimistic, you believe God is for you, and if he is for you, bless God, who can be against me? I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that's, that's where we want to come into, and that's what, that's what I'm referring to when I'm talking about a living hope and not allowing the circumstances of life, life events to, that, that have a tendency that are created to just continue to chip away at, at, at the things God has for us. So again, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it tells us that we're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I want you to understand that Jesus' resurrection was for your benefit. It was for your benefit. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the central theme throughout the New Testament. It's what the new covenant, our new relationship with God is all about. The very fact that Jesus Christ died at the cross, shed his blood for the cleansing of our sin, was buried, but on the third day was raised again to the newness of life. The, the resurrection is, is, a, is a reality that lifts Christianity out of the realm of religion and philosophies of this world and, and just separates it from all other religions because the, the truth is Christianity, as Christians, we serve and we worship a living Savior. Our God's not dead. He is surely alive. All you newsboys, junkies, so... <laughs> So he's surely alive. So I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul prayed a prayer there for the church at Ephesus, which is very applicable to our lives today. And it ties in with understanding and knowing the resurrection power. In verse 17, I'm going to pick up where Paul is praying here for the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians 1 verse 17, says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, notice verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So he wants us to know three things here in this particular prayer. He wants, us that he, he wants us to know what is the hope of his calling. He wants us to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power. And he wants us to know that, that he worked this power in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. And he did so, and he is seated far above all the principalities, powers, all the might and dominion that came against him, all the forces of hell that came against him and put him on the cross, all the sin of mankind that, that resulted in him being on the cross, that he is now raised up far above all of that. And in verse 22, it says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So his resurrection, which brings about a living hope, not a one-time historical event, but a daily life-changing, life-transforming experience that we should be experiencing every moment of every day. And this prayer that the apostle, that's recorded here of the Apostle Paul is that we would know the full extent of God's resurrection power that he worked in Christ. And so uh, you say, well, that's all wonderful. That's all wonderful. I'm here today because of Jesus Christ and what God did through Jesus Christ. I believe that he raised him from the dead. And that is great. That's powerful. But I want to even, let's bring it home. Let's make it personal because the very next verse, the first verse in chapter 2 is where it becomes personal. Everyone say it gets personal. In verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, and you. Look at your neighbor and say, and you. So he did something for you. It's great when we read about what God did for Jesus Christ and we can, we can look at it from a historical standpoint and it's not all that invasive into our lives and we can kind of keep it at an arm's length and we can keep it up here in our head as, as, as general knowledge of the word of God, but it's never intended to just be at an arm's length or to be head knowledge, to be mental assent, but to become a heart faith, a living hope, a life transforming experience in our lives. And it goes on and says, and you he made alive. You he made alive. And so all these years of following Christ, all these years of being excited about Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, even before I had committed my life to Christ, I would, you know, have a sense of this is an exciting time. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that's all well and fine that we have this anticipation and what a perfect weather day today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, getting up this morning, getting outside, it felt like a resurrection day, didn't it? But you know what? It should become personal that every day should feel like that for us personally. We should wake up with that same anticipation. This is a good day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I have a living hope. I am an overcomer today. I have a possibility. I have great potential. I have great promise and power available to me today, and I'm excited about living for God today. Amen? 
Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. Yes, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, but God did not do any of it without you in mind. Matter of fact, he did it because he had you in mind. And if you would have been the only sinner that needed to be born again, if you would have been, have been the only sinner that needed salvation, the story would not change. It would be the same story. He did it for you. It becomes personal. That's how much he loves us. And so he made you alive. A radical transformation took place and continues to take place on a daily basis as we walk with God. But first and foremost, a radical transformation takes place when you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning with us and you never have, have made that commitment of accepting Jesus into your life as, 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 as your Savior, as the forgiver of your sin, you're not sure what would happen to you if, if, if your life were, if, if, if today were the last day of your life, would you spend eternity in heaven or would you be forever be separated from God? You're not sure. But I can assure you this morning that a radical transformation takes place to all who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that radical transformation is we have gone from death to life. We have gone from hopelessness to being hopeful. And it gets very personal. And verse 2 and 3 of chapter 2 of Ephesians says, first of all, verse, verse 1 is telling us that he made us alive. We were dead in trespasses and sins. You notice that? We were dead Everyone say, I was dead, but I'm alive. I've been transformed. Amen. And so it goes on then and defines our condition. Verse 2 and 3 talk about how we once walked according to the course of the world, of the principalities and of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3 says, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, verse 4, it's one of the best conjunctions you'll come across in your entire life. But, everyone say but. but. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. I just love the way Paul structured it. He's praying for us that we would have a, a revelation, an understanding of what took place when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. The purposes of God in Jesus Christ and in, in, in resurrecting him from the grave. And then he says, but it wasn't just Jesus. He also made you alive together with him. Yes, you once walked according to this world. Yes, you once conducted yourself as a sinner. You thought as a sinner. You talked as a sinner. And you did all the things that, that, the, that, that the world is doing. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when you were at your very worst, God loved us. He loved you. He loved all of us, all of us. And it was at that moment when we were all at our worst, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us. And we say, made us. Yeah. This is the body of Christ revelation. Make it personal. Make it the entire body. He made us alive together with Christ. See how personal it becomes? He made us alive together with Christ. And, verse 6, he didn't just make us alive together and just leave us on our own. You, know, you wouldn't go birth a baby and then leave the baby by itself. You provide for the baby, right? <laughs> 
All right. I'm going to say, I hope we have some better parenting going on in this church than that. <laughs> now, I, for one, you know, being one of 16, I was kind of left to myself, I think. I'm not sure, but somehow I survived, but I'm not sure how that happened. But I was the eighth child, so I have that middle child syndrome. Anything that's messed up about me, that's what it's all about. So just so stop trying to figure me out. Just, just check. Middle child. <laughs> that explains it. So anyway, he raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, as he's still revealing things to us, and in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. God's love and mercy manifested toward us. We have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was not an isolated event. It's not something that happened apart from us. Yes, you can look at it from a historical vantage point, but don't just look at it as something that happened in history. Look at it as something that happened and is happening on a daily basis, and the manifestation of it is, is manifested in my life day in and day out, because 1 Peter 1, verse 3 tells me that I have been born again to a living hope. I've been born again into a favorable, confident expectation about my God loving me, my God forgiving me, my God leading me, my God providing for me, my God protecting me, and my God who brought me here is going to take me on home in his due season as an overcomer in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says we've been born again into a living hope. But then you get into, read through there, talks about our inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. Then in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1, tells us that we can rest our hope. Rest your hope fully upon the grace. Rest your hope fully upon the grace. Now, it's so important that we come to an understanding that the living hope, the hope that I have, the favorable, confident expectation I can have about everything turning out favorably, confidently, the way I'm hoping that it turns out, my expectation is fully resting on the grace of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His grace loved me provided for me, redeemed me while I was yet in my sin, while I was at my worst. His grace, his very best, was given to me. So my hope for that to continue is based on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never allow your hope to fluctuate with your circumstances. Yes, things happen in life. Yes, there are tests, trials, and temptations. But Jesus Christ told us to be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He also told us that, that, we, that there's a hope for us and a, and a future for us. And, and through faith and patience, we enter into this, into this hope, into this favorable, confident expectation that's been birthed in us as a result of being born again uh, into the kingdom of God. So, so I'm going to leave you with three realities this morning to rest your hope on the grace of God. The number one reality, the reason you can rest your hope upon the grace of God is because when you were born again, when you came to life in Christ Jesus, you received a brand new power source. 
a brand new power source. Romans 8, 11 tells us that if that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken, it will make alive your mortal bodies. So that same spirit, the same Holy Spirit power that Paul prayed for about in Ephesians chapter 1, that we would have an understanding, that we would have a revelation of the exceeding greatness of his power toward us, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The greatest demonstration of, of God's power, even a greater demonstration than creating the universe was his resurrection, was the power that he sent from heaven in the form of the Holy Spirit descending into hell and making alive our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that same resurrection power is available to you and to me as a result of receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Therefore, I have this tremendous power at my disposal in the form of the Holy Spirit and it's quickening, making alive my mortal body Therefore, I can rest my hope in the grace of my, of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Reality number two, as a result of being born again into the kingdom of God, I received, I've been placed into a brand new position in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, we looked at it earlier. Uh, first of all, in verse 1, it says, you he, you, he made alive. Then verse 6 says, and he raised us up together and made us sit together. I'm going to say, he made me do it. <laughs> and you ever used that excuse before when you were in trouble? Well, here's, here's used in the positive. He raised us up and made us sit together with Christ. You didn't have an option. You said, all right, you're born again. You're my child. You're going to sit here. You're sitting here. This is God talking to you. I'm telling you, sit right here. Why would I sit right there in Christ? Because Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's seated in a position of relationship. He's seated in a, in a, in a position of authority. He's seated in a position, if you remember what Paul said about Jesus, he's seated in a position far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And you're seated together with him far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. So you have a new power source. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You have a brand new position in Christ Jesus. A brand new position. Your new position has to do with being in Christ and to live in his presence is to live in the heavenly places. Here's something I want you to think about when you think about being seated together with Christ, being in relationship with him. If you are not aware of being in his presence, you most likely will not experience the benefits of his presence. When you have Christ living in you, but you are not aware that he is living in you, you will not live as, as if he is living in you. I'm not talking about necessarily that you're living a very sinful life because you're not aware of this, but you most likely and you most certainly will live with a whole lot more fear and anxiety and trepidation than necessary. So do yourself a favor and regularly remind yourself that Christ lives in me. 
Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm in a new position. I'm available for God's purposes wherever I find myself. Don't minimize, don't ever minimize your position of being seated together with Christ in heavenly places. So you have a new power source, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You have a brand new position. You're raised up together with him. Renew your mind to that. Meditate on that. Think on that and begin to work that out. And then number three, number three, we have a brand new potential. Everyone say potential. As, being, as a result of being born again, coming into the resurrection power of, your Lord, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in me, is quickening, making alive my mortal body. I'm in this brand new position in Christ Jesus. I'm seated together with him in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, even though many times it does not look like it, it may not feel like it, it may look like all of, all of hell is raining down again against me, just all the forces of darkness are pressing against me, but that is the very moment you want to recognize that and acknowledge that, wait a minute, it feels like darkness is pressing in, it feels like the kingdom of darkness is winning this battle, it feels like I'm losing this war, but I am reminding myself and I'm speaking it right into the darkness, I'm saying, no, darkness, you will not prevail, I have been raised up together with Christ, I'm seated together with him in heavenly places, and I'm in a position position far above you. Get under my feet where you belong in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Exercise your authority you have as a result of being seated at the right hand of God the Father, and you will begin to see out of this new power source and out of this new position that you have, you will begin experiencing your brand new potential. You'll begin to see it manifested. You'll begin to see things starting to come together for you. You'll begin to recognize, as verse 10 tells us of Ephesians chapter 2, that we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has not only made us alive together with him, our power source, God has not only put us in a position together with Christ, seated at his right hand, a new position of power and authority, but he's also created within us a work to be accomplished, and he's given us the ability to do it. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He who has begun a good work will continue it, but the good work is, is that Christ created the good work for you to do. The things that are in your heart, the hope, the favor, the confident expectations that you have, God has created you for certain purposes, and you will begin to discover those, and your potential will begin, it, it'll begin to be manifested through your skill sets, through your talents, and through your passions. You'll begin to understand that, yes, I do have a tremendous potential to be an asset to the kingdom of God. You have great potential. Don't allow yourself to be talked out of. Don't let the hopelessness around you cause the hope in you to dissipate. You keep that living hope fired up and say, you know, I have great potential. I have skills. I have talents. God created me for a purpose. I'm not a nobody. I am a somebody going somewhere to do something significant in the kingdom of God as a result of the resurrection of my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Born again. Everyone say, I'm born again to a living hope. Amen. Praise God. Every head bowed, every head closed just for a moment. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness, your mercy. 
We thank you, Lord God, for your loving kindness. And Lord, we thank you that your word clearly defines and declares that God is rich in mercy. And because he's rich in mercy and in his great love with which he loved us, even when we were at our worst, Jesus died for us, shed his blood to cleanse us of our sin, and gave us the opportunity to walk into newness of life, to walk into a living hope, rather than a hope that just dissipates and fades with circumstances that rise and fall. So with heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment, I want to pray a prayer this morning. I call it a prayer unto salvation. We could call it this morning a prayer unto living hope. You're here with us this morning. You say, Pastor, I've never prayed to receive Jesus as the forgiver of my sin. I have not experienced the living hope that you're speaking of. Ultimately, the living hope, the ultimate goal is eternity in heaven. We're passing through on this earth, but even while we're here on the earth, we have a living hope that enables us to overcome. You've never received Jesus as Savior. We're going to pray our prayer together. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer together with us. I'm going to invite us all to pray the prayer. And some of you may be praying it for the very first time this morning. And if you do, we want to congratulate you. When you do, you're coming into a living hope. We have some books available for you. I'm going to invite you to stop by the Connect Center on your way out. We'd love to give those books to you. That helps define, explain in greater detail exactly what happens when you become a child of God. So let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that you are rich in mercy. You're great in your love that even while I'm still in my sin, you are reaching out to me. You search for me. You're on a mission to find me. You found me this morning. I surrender. I ask you this morning to to cleanse me of all my sin. And I thank you for the work of the cross. I thank you for the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that with all my heart. And I confess this day, April 21st, 2019, that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Father. I have been born again into a living hope. A living hope. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to close out with singing this song entitled Living Hope. And again, if you prayed that for your first time, I want you to stop back at the Connect Center. Also, perhaps you're a first-time guest today. Stop by the Connect Center, and we'd love to have an opportunity to say hello to you and meet you and have a record of your visit. We'll send you home with a nice Grace Church coffee mug. God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you next Sunday morning. Have a terrific rest of the day. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name Into the night 
Father. Amen. Thank you for coming today. Be blessed. Have a great rest of your day and spread the love of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.